Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to throw over the middle and into the end zone. Touchdown, Arizona State. We support each other's uh, teams the rest of the year, but during this game, all bets are off. That was all Keaton Slovis. Wow, what a play by him. One man to beat 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, a new NCAA record. Dante Pettis. Washington State has found a way to move the ball. It's incredible what we're seeing here in Pullman tonight. Touchdown, Oregon. They fake the handoff. Justin Herbert delivers a dart. I went to HR several times uh, about how the Duck fans treat me. Touchdown, Utah. I mean, this is the Pac-12 we're talking about. And the Pac-12 season rolls on. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of the second season of Believe in the Pac-12, along with Ryan Leaf. My name is John Thrifkin. Delighted to be with you on a Thursday is when we're recording this. Now, this could come up, come out Thursday night. You could be listening to it on Friday morning. Heck, maybe you want to get it in early on Saturday before the 12.30 Pacific time games start. Sixth slated game for the Pac-12 schedule in week number two. We'll go over those, maybe some national games as well. But, Ryan, before... We get to all of that. We haven't talked in a few days, ma'am. How's it been going for you? I know you've been on SiriusXM. I think I, I listened to your show with Jason Horowitz the other night. It was awesome. Uh, tell us what's going on. All the good things in the world of Ryan Leaf. <laughs> well, the, the most important thing out of anything is I shot 200 par 70 today. <laughs> and James Worthy, uh, big game James, was my, was my partner in the match play. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, this week's been great, you know, getting back to work, Pac-12, coming back, that allowed for SiriusXM and our Pac-12 show to get started, and then doing a lot of stuff with ESPN uh, on their on their uh, ESPNU channel, talking all things college football. So we got into, you know, the biggest conversation, games being postponed, games being canceled. Uh, I even had the notion, let's throw the, uh, you know, it wasn't Alabama's fault, it wasn't Ohio State's fault, how about we throw those two together this weekend and play? I thought that would be a pretty interesting idea. Of course, uh, I'm sure the Big Ten would not have anything to do with that. Um, but the biggest thing for me in terms of the Pac-12, of course, is whether two games are going to be played. I mean, there's continuation of positive tests cropping up, uh, what that's going to look like. But right now, as of Thursday night, we are still a little in limbo in terms of the Cal at Arizona State game and the Utah at UCLA game. And they moved the UCLA-Utah uh, game from Friday to Saturday. So that allows for, you know, more time if, if players were quarantining and things like that. And the Cal situation is weird. It's based on the Berkeley Public Health and Safety Board within the city there. They uh, issued protocol of 14 consecutive days of quarantine. You could have 13 consecutive days of negative tests, uh, never testing positive once, but because of contact tracing and the what they're trying to do to keep everybody safe. Uh, they're saying they weren't gonna let them play. So I haven't heard quite yet if they've given, been given the go ahead. They have to be told by probably tomorrow because they're gonna have to travel. 
to Tempe to take on Herm Edwards and that Arizona State team. I'm looking forward to that game. I want to see that game. So if we don't get to get to do it, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I hope we get all six games, especially with so many games canceled and postponed this weekend. Five of the top 25 teams not in action. Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Texas A&M, Auburn. Uh, who else is not in there? Uh, Georgia. Those five teams out of the top 25 aren't playing this weekend, and uh, we're getting the crunch time here. Kids, student-athletes, if they can hold up for about six more weeks, seven more weeks, we might just be able to get through this thing and, and crown ourselves a national champion. We'll see. It was revealed today by the Stanford rivals account. John Wilner confirmed it that David Shaw provided an update that Quarterback Davis Mills and Connor Wennington were both TBD because of coronavirus protocols. Um, now, Santa Clara County is where Stanford is. They're able to still go and play, even though they have players on the protocol and the COVID guidelines. Now, Berkeley, and you said this on Tuesday's pod, Ryan, Berkeley is just a, a labyrinth of red tape when it comes to this. And they have not made it easy on Cal. Cal is going to Arizona State. However, Arizona State did not practice today, Herm Edwards said. They did not release why. However, sources inside the team, Kyle Bonagara reports, uh, ASU Insider, that indeed it was virus-related. So here, I have a two-parter before we go into these games with you, Ryan. Number one, um, is it better that this is happening earlier in the season? Because if we get the wheels going on this thing and, and it's week six, and all of a sudden, everybody has a certain mindset, and then it gets absolutely disrupted by a wave of coronavirus. Is it, now, look, there are minimal cases on the teams that are reporting cases, so this could be an ongoing thing for all these schools. But if it were to happen in a wave early on, is that more beneficial for scheduling for the Pac-12? Or is there no leeway because they started this thing so late, they have to get their conference championship by, what is it, the second week of December? Yeah, they uh... – if they don't play, they're screwed. And this is questionable in the Ohio State situation because that conference needs them to qualify, have as many qualified games available to them to play in the Big Ten championship. So when you have a six-game season and you are no longer playing them, like the likes of Cal, uh, Arizona, Washington, um, Utah, those teams most likely – unless there's a ramp, uh, a, a run on losses, those teams probably are out of the conversation in terms of the conference championship. So it is truly the survival of the fittest here. If you can get to the weekend, play the game, that's the most important thing. doesn't matter if this is the beginning, middle, or the end of the season. Uh, if, you miss, if, you, if a game gets canceled, uh, you're just going to be out of luck on this deal. That's tough for programs like Utah, where they felt like they were an underdog in the South, uh, especially when they were able to get a decent recruiting class this past season and Kyle Whittingham's ability to elevate the games of two and three stars um, and, and some of the returning defenders that they had in one of the best overall defenses from last season up until that Alamo Bowl where they got slapped uh, by Texas following the Oregon Pac-12 championship loss. But for a team like Utah, you're out one game. You might be out two games. That might be it. You might have absolutely no shot. Uh, because like you said, there just won't be enough games to be had. Um, school, and of course, for the other schools, it hurts because uh, they need to develop their players, and you're not giving ample opportunity to develop these guys. It's becoming minimal, um, and that could become an impediment on a lot of these teams. Do you see maybe a short season for you? Do you see a short season for any of these schools? Would that hurt 
their ability to retain some of these athletes? Could we see that some of these athletes transfer away because of just the way the process has gone at these schools or because everybody's getting eligibility back? And, and this is the second part to my previous question. Uh, because everybody gets eligibility back and we're in extenuating circumstances and a general understanding that this is probably going to happen, um, how much trouble are these teams into retaining potential players after the season because of how all of this has gone up to this point? I don't think there's going to be much of an issue in terms of retaining players after it's all said and done because everybody's going through the same thing now. Uh, I also think it's probably uh, helpful that the coaches probably will not be getting dismissed if they have a bad year uh, unless I just the, the optics of, of buying out a big contract in this, this day and age uh, with what's going on. I just don't think it's the case. So I think what ultimately will happen is this will look like a, um, you know, a, a truncated season a redshirt season that they were able to possibly play all their guys as much as they could to get them experience. So I think ultimately be beneficial. Hopefully the spring will allow for, you know, if a vaccine is available or if we're moved along by then that they can get a full spring in and then a full season next year where the eligibility wasn't an issue. And a lot of these kids who came in as freshmen, wow, you know, they'll be treated as true freshmen yet. I wonder what they're going to call this. Uh, COVID freshmen, I don't know what they'll call, you know, not registered freshmen, we don't know what they're going to call, but they will have essentially uh, a fifth season uh, to be eligible if they were to take full advantage of it. Shenanigating circumstances surrounding the college football world, the Pac-12 is not immune. The Pac-12 actually has probably taken the brunt of this just because of how they've handled this entire thing. Uh, but as we roll on here, six games on the docket, Utah, UCLA, questionable, Washington State has a reported case and then two and three other players quarantining. Uh, it sounds like Nick Rolovich actually it doesn't sound like Nick Rolovich said today that they are planning to go on uh, ahead with the game hosting Oregon. Um, and we'll see what happens with Stanford, Colorado. With those disclaimers in place, Ryan, let's hit it. 12 30 shows two games. And how about this? Fox, ESPN Fox, ESPN 2 Fox, Fox Sports 1. Some pretty good, some pretty good nationally televised spots for the Pac-12 in this upcoming week if they can pull off all of these games. I mean, Utah, UCLA on Fox? Really? I know it's 7.30, but that is a solid spot for a game like that. Let's begin, though, with the early games. 12.30, USC at Arizona. USC, obviously, off the win against Arizona State last week. They needed the fourth quarter to do it to put up those final 14 points in the final five minutes. Eden Slovis looked like his old self. Not his old self. He looked like his elevated self uh, towards the end of that game. Um, Arizona didn't play last week. Even if they did, I'm USC by a mile. Uh, I don't have a lot to say other than Grant Gunnell. Uh, if there's some way for him to play well this season, maybe. Like, for me, Kevin Sumlin is the coach on the hot seat of all the schools in the Pac-12. I know you, we've been adamant that because of the season, it's really hard to justify firing a coach. But Kevin, Kevin Sumlin, uh, in his third, now fourth season, just hasn't been able to get it done at Arizona. I don't think this season's going to be any different, and it's going to start with a blowout um, at home thanks to USC. Yeah, you know, I would I, I would have probably thought like that going in. I just, you know, I don't know what Arizona's going to bring to the table, but I do know that USC's defense struggled mightily. And that was the problem last year. It's not a very physical football team when you run this kind of air raid offense. It just it happens. You start recruiting skill position players and things like that. So if they, if they stumble out the gates like they did last week against Arizona State, this game could get interesting. In that, I mean, Arizona is able to hang around and USC starts looking at each other on the sideline thinking, oh, go, oh, oh no, not again. And, you know, Grant Gunnell 
all of a sudden is whipping it around like you did at the end of the last season, you might have a football game. I think USC wins this. I do. Um, I just, I'm just not really sold on this USC team at all. They should be 0-1, uh, which I believe puts, would have put them out of the conversation completely. But they saved themselves with that great comeback last week. Uh, their schedule is really light. The biggest game I thought they had was the opener against Arizona State. Um, so we'll see how they play through this because they could be a, they could be not a great football team and be 6-0 and when this is all said and done because of that schedule they have. And the South is just not as competitive as what the North is going to be this year. Wow, that is a clip right there. You just said that Arizona could potentially, now in the craziest part of this entire Pac-12 football play, they could be 6-0. and uh, That – we're going to put a pin in that because if they could somehow win this game, we need to revisit that point. That would be fascinating uh, to see Arizona. I'm not saying Arizona could be 6-0. You're saying USC? Yes. Oh, that was my mistake. Okay, yes. good. I'm glad. I was like, wow. Yes. <laughs> Let's clip that and share it. Arizona's going to – Ryan Leaf will be the most popular person in Arizona. Um, all right, I agree. Um, the, the crazy thing is about these offenses. Number one, they have four quarterbacks on the depth chart. Grant Gunnell's the guy. If he struggles, there's plenty of options. Rhett Rodriguez, Kevin Doyle, and Will Plummer, uh, the, the only true freshman in the four-quarterback depth chart for Arizona. Uh, quarterbacks tend to do pretty well. Khalil Tate gave Oregon issues for the three years that he was at the helm for Arizona. And remember, they beat Oregon a couple years ago, and that was because he ran for 200-plus yards. Grant Gunnell's a different quarterback. He's not. I think he's more of a pro-style quarterback, more of a pocket passer. Arizona State notoriously doesn't have great offense. Or, excuse me, Arizona, I haven't seen um, – a particularly convincing offensive line from them, especially with some of the young front. I think they have three new offensive linemen, two redshirt juniors, and, and a sophomore. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch. But I agree. Okay, so for you, you say USC is still going to win. Arizona can make it somewhat competitive. Um, what do you have as the final score? Uh, I'm going to go uh, USC 35, Arizona 24. That USC defense not camping down enough to really stifle Arizona's offense. I like it. That is, uh, I, th I think that's pretty good. I think I give USC the 35-21. What's the spread on this game? Is it USC by, by 10 or 12? I suspect it probably is. Let me take a – should probably be, have this prepared. Uh, Where's the uh, – in honor of Pat Sajak, the, uh, the Jeopardy music in the background? Uh, you mean uh, – Alex Trebek. Alex, wow, I'm so sorry, Wheel of Fortune. That was – I'm not even going to edit that out because I don't deserve – I don't deserve to come off like I know what I'm talking about. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a dry cut. We're going to keep that in. You can use this <laughs> time to bash me if you need. USC is favored by 14, so – Okay. You know, that's – you know, not, not seeing what Arizona's bringing to the table, seeing what USC did a week ago. I wouldn't be surprised if 35-21 is the score, but I'm going to go with 35 uh, 24, uh, Arizona's going to cover that at home. The other 12-30 game, ESPN Mainstream, Stanford hosting Colorado. You were surprised by Colorado last week, Ryan. Do they have it without Davis Mills? Without the, Even if they have Davis Mills, does Colorado have it in them to go to Palo Alto and steal one from Stanford in week two of Pac-12 play? I don't know. Um, because who Colorado beat was UCLA, and uh, <laughs> that's that's the big question mark for me. Is is UCLA uh, the litmus test here? And I don't know if they they meet that. Um, you know, not knowing what Carl Durrell and that offense was going to look like with a safety turned quarterback, 
um, playing. They did a tremendous job. They put up 48 points. Now they had four turnovers in the first, what, 25 minutes of the yep. game. And they converted on them, which is, which is huge. So I think if Davis Mills is out, the team is, again, decimated by, um, you know, losses on that offense. This could be a, an interesting game. Uh, it sounds like Colorado's at full strength. Defensively, they, Matt, Nate Landman and that defense played as good as they could have. Uh, they stopped them when they needed to. UCLA is a juggernaut on offense. They always will be. Um, so I think this could be a relatively close football game. And Stanford's favored by seven. Um, I'm going to go with an upset here. I'm going to go Colorado goes to the farm and upsets Stanford uh, 28-27. I'm pondering. That is – that would be on a, like a last, a last play touchdown. What do you think? How does it happen? No, I think they – I think they're up 20 to – 17 and and uh, Stanford tried to make a last ditch effort to get back they they just can't get it done interesting 20 27 Ryan Leaf has I don't Colorado. have any faith I don't have any faith <laughs> in Jet Toner either so yeah, well, well, uh, Jet was out of Toner last week man let me tell you oh for four he missed six field goals all of last year he missed four in that game against Oregon I, I don't know if it would have made the difference but it would have at least made it a game I'm with you and they're at home um with that being said yeah I mean I don't know. Colorado's front seven probably couldn't play any worse than Oregon's front seven did last week, right? Um, and Stanford has a pretty decent RPO on offense when they're not playing their true freshman uh, who has a cannon of an arm, even if Davis Mills plays. Yeah, I, I'm gonna dis- I think I'm going to give Stanford the 28-27. I think you and I are going to be on the edge of our seats hoping that one or the other is right. Um, but I, I, just, I just don't see David Shaw losing to Oregon in – the game that they had. I know Oregon ended up running up the score at the end, but honestly, the first half, Stanford looked somewhat competitive, even with their offense. So um, I, I just don't think David Shaw is going to lose two in a row to open the season, especially at home, especially in Colorado. So I'm going to give Stanford. Um, I, st- I agree. I don't think I don't. I think it covers, but I don't think Colorado ends up with the upset. Um, and that game is the other 12:30 game. Moving on here to the four o'clock game on Fox. The second time, nope, Oregon played at four on ABC last week. So the Nick Rolovich is up in Pullman. It snowed. It absolutely dumped this morning. I don't know if you saw, Ryan, but yeah, like three or four inches up in Pullman. So that will play to the favor of Washington State as they host uh, Mario Cristobal's 11th-ranked Oregon Ducks. What do you like about this game? Who do you see winning and why? Well, I, I really liked what Oregon uh, did on the offensive line. That was one of our biggest question marks this uh, last week when we were talking about this. They had to replace a complete offensive line, and sure enough, they go out and do it. Mario Cristobal is a genius when it comes to the offensive line, and sure enough, he's put another great one together. Uh, Tyler Shuck can get it done. He can run. He can throw. He gained confidence throughout that game. They run the ball as good as anybody. Um, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is, is as advertised. He was hurt last year. I think they're very, very good offensively. Um, defensively, they struggled, but they're just trying to come together. You know, there's a lot of young players on that defense. I think some of them think they have to do everything, and they don't. It's got to be a combination of things on that defense, and they all got to work together to make it work. Um, Washington State, on the other hand, surprised a lot of us. I picked them mostly out of, you know, um, the fact that I'm an alumnus, but you were right. I, w- I had faith in, in Nick Rolovich and, and what they were to accomplish. I just did not know what the freshman quarterback was going to look like, how they were going to run the football. And they did both tremendously. 
the freshman was all Pac-12 freshman of the week, and they ran the ball better than they've run the football at Washington State in uh, a decade. So those two things, the weather, uh, the Cougs have been practicing in it, uh, the Ducks have not. I still think that Oregon State was not necessarily the physical kind of football game they're going to get from Oregon. And with that being said, I think they give them a hell of a fight. Um, I'm going to take Washington State plus the 10, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won by a field goal late. But I'm going to say Oregon right now, 31-27. Wow. That is that is an Oregon-Washington State football game as they have been minus when you guys were up 27 to zero at halftime two, two years ago at this point. Um, but that, I actually think that this is going to be closer than people think. By the way, just really quickly, freshman Ryan Walk, who's Oregon, one of Oregon's offensive linemen, was Pac-12 offensive lineman of the week. So everybody who's concerned about Pineas, he, he was the left, he's the left guard, by the way. He's the guy who's in there protecting the blind side of Tyler Shuck and giving Shuck the ability to be as shifty as he was for a pro-style quarterback last week. So good on you, Ryan Walk. And like you said, Mario Cristobal, I mean, that's what he does. He builds offensive lines, and, and he elevates talent in the staff. I was impressed with Joe Moorhead's play calling last week. There was no reason to open the playbook as deep as they needed to with Tyler Shuck. Um, Micah Pittman, one for 66 last week with only three targets. I'd like to see him get more involved. But other than that, I don't think that Oregon's front seven is going to make the same mistakes. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau has to be more aggressive. Justin Flo needs to play more than 20% of the snaps, but Noah Sewell's really good, and that secondary was awesome. Mikhail Wright was Pac-12, uh, one of the Pac-12 defensive backs of the week as well. So I do think that Oregon's going to cover the 10. I think it's going to be 38-27. to 27. I think they barely get it. Um, I think that maybe they'll go up big in the first half. Washington State will come back and make it really interesting, but maybe a, a, a final, you know, a Eight, with eight minutes to go, fourth quarter touchdown sort of caps it for the Ducks. Um, last week, we put a wager on this, Ryan. Now, I don't know if this is as competitive as a Washington State team, but you have the minus 10, and I have you have the under, and I have – or you have the spread, and I'm betting against the spread. Do you want to wager that, perhaps? Yeah. Washington State, Washington State plus 10. You're taking, them, you're taking Oregon minus 10? Yeah, we'll do, yep. uh, we'll do uh, steak dinner. How about that? Love it. All right. Wow, I haven't had a good steak dinner in a while. I can't wait. Um, all right, so that is the 4 o'clock game. More on the line than just an Oregon or Washington State win now. So for, uh, for the that's usually, that's usually the That's usually the, the brotherly bet between me and my brother as well. So we'll, I love uh, it. How often do you pay off oh, that bet with your brothers? Is it, do you okay. typically win? Um, we don't. We usually, bet, we usually go straight up. Okay. Who, who wins? So it's been pretty pretty even the last few years. And buying me dinner, me buying him dinner. So I'm just worried that you have a really strong tra track record getting dinner bought for you, and that I put myself in a hole. So I have to know. <laughs> I have to know the history behind it. Uh, anyways, you have Oregon uh, against the spread. I have Oregon with the spread. We have a steak dinner on it. That's at four o'clock on Fox. Moving on to the uh, wow. There are three late games. It will be a late evening on the West Coast if you're covering these games on the East Coast. God help you. So there are three games post 7.30. You have the two 7.30 games and the 8 o'clock. All three of these games are currently at risk of getting canceled. By the way, Washington also has coronavirus cases. So um, if for some reason all three of these get canceled, enjoy the next 15 minutes of free content. We'll talk about the teams. Maybe it'll be relevant. Um, and if they do end up playing, 
then you're going to get some great breakdowns of what to look forward to on Saturday night. So let's start with the 7.30 game on ESPN2. Arizona State hosting Cal. We did not see Cal last week in what would have been a very fun game against Washington. Um, Arizona State looked good against USC for the first three quarters and six minutes, and then USC went on the run and ended up winning. What do we expect out of this game? Now, keep in mind, in my, in my opinion, I think Cal's secondary, we haven't seen them, but I think they're stronger than USC's, and I think it could give Arizona State's offense a bigger run for their money. Well, defensively, Justin Wilcox is going to have a defense ready to go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you lose the year before. They lost the tackling machine, Evan Weaver. It doesn't matter. Uh, they lost Austin Davis, uh, Ashton Davis uh, to the Jets. doesn't matter. Uh, he, he knows how to put defense together. That's what he's about. Uh, and luckily this year, he's got a returning quarterback who was their star last year. The reason they won games was when Chase Garbers was in there. So I've been wanting to watch this team play all offseason and then to have it postponed or canceled last week and then have it as a question mark again this week, especially this game, Cal at Arizona State. Arizona State is pissed. Uh, Herm Edwards, I heard, was has been thrown up all week, and not because of the flu or a virus or anything like that. He is just sick to his stomach on how they Poor found a way to lose. Probably. How they found a way to lose that game. So, I, for me, I, I if the game goes off, I think Marvin Lewis has a game plan ready to try to stymie Chase Garbers to make him really – uh, one-dimensional, keeping everything in front of him, see if he's able to throw the ball underneath that umbrella. I think he is. I think this game goes back and forth, back and forth throughout the night. I think the fresh legs of Cal are going to be ready to roll. And I think Cal goes in there and upsets ASU um, 21-17. I agree. It sucks, but I agree. Arizona State was my dark horse. Losing to USC, takes, it, to me, takes them out of the South no matter what. Um, I think they're a year too early. We talked about this last podcast. Um, I was impressed by LV. Um, I forgot his last name. He went to Sarah Gardena down in Southern California. We saw him last year, and I was not expecting him to have the performance he did at wide receiving, especially uh, with Darby going out. So um, there were moments where I was impressed with Arizona State, but I just – their offense is their strength. And when you play against a well-coached defense, a Justin Wilcox defense, that no matter who you are will always make it competitive, at least defensively, um, and if they can keep – Arizona State's defense at bay offensively. They can get some quick drives and, and take the onus off their defense a little bit. I don't think that, uh, that Cal will walk out of Tempe with a loss. I agree. I think it's going to be close. Maybe 28-25, maybe 28-21 Cal. I think Cal could win by, easily by six points. Not easily, but by six points in this game. Uh, we, Chase Garbers is a great quarterback. People don't realize it. He's very accurate. He's good in the pocket. Um, as long as they can protect him and he has some time, He's going to spread the wealth, and, and I don't see any reason for them not to score points in this game against Arizona State's defense. So I'm with you. I think Cal wins this one. The other 7:30 game, Utah UCLA on Fox at the Rose Bowl. It, honestly, if this game happens, Utah is going to be coming out full speed ahead. Um, I don't think it's going to be close, Ryan. I don't. I know UCLA's offense is good, or is is always like consistently good enough to score somewhere between 35 and 45 points. It doesn't matter who you are, but I just don't see Utah with a game canceled coming off the season that they had last year, losing this game. Yeah, it's, it's counterintuitive to, to think that that would be the case. Utah has a uh, UCLA has a game play. They made some mistakes early. They found their rhythm late, but still came up short. Uh, the word out of Utah is that it's most likely going to get played, but Utah is going to be down multiple starters on defense. And if that's 
the, the, the side of the ball that they're going to be down players, that for me is a problem. And um, I don't think Utah walking into UCLA against the Chip Kelly offense with walk-ons playing linebacker and DB are going to get it done. So I'm, I'm, I'm going against everything that I ever thought I would go towards in, in terms of what UCLA means to me. I think UCLA wins this game outright. Uh, I think they win. I think they win this game 31-24 over Utah, and Utah stumbles into Week Three um, with a matchup against USC with a loss and a canceled game already. That is um, not that. I mean, look, that is. I I don't know if I necessarily. Man, this is a tough game. I think this for me, this is the toughest game. Um, I but I just I, I don't know. I think UCLA, uh, defensively, that's their weakness, right? So if Utah can figure out something offensively, and look, yeah, they're replacing a bunch of assets offensively. Zach Moss is in the NFL. Um, Tyler Huntley is no longer with the team. Obviously, he graduated. And so offensively, this team is still a question mark. What's Drew List going to look like? Jay Bentley may get a couple of snaps as the grad transfer. Um, Cameron Rising, I actually heard, has still been really impressive, even though he's still listed third on the depth chart. So quarterback play is a question mark with Utah. But somehow, somehow that defense, I know they might be missing players, but somehow they still find a way to get it done. So um, yeah, you, UCLA, though, they always find one game every year to sneak a big win. Every year. Um, wow. I'm struggling with this one, Ryan. You put some doubt in my mind. You really did. I'm going to still take Utah. I'm going to take Utah by the three. The, the spread is three and a half. I'm going to take them by three. I'm going to give UCLA a slit, ceremonial slap on the wrist and bet the spread in their favor. Um, but I think Utah wins by three. Ryan has UCLA in that game. The final game of the Week 2 Pac-12 slate. Washington hosting Arizona State. We did not see Washington last week. Oregon Arizona, State. Oregon State. Excuse me. Thank you for the correction. Uh, Oregon State losing a tough one at home to open their season against your Cougars. Washington's going to win this game, right? They should. Um, Jonathan Smith knows this team and knows Jimmy Lake better than anybody, so he's going to have a plan ready. Uh, they went against each other in practice for years and years and years as offensive and defensive coordinator under Chris Peterson. Jimmy Lake's first game, right? This is a different thing from going from coordinator to head coach. There are so many different things you have to be ready for in a game. When to call timeout, clock management. All you have to worry about as a defensive coordinator is defensive preparation. He's got to micromanage and take care of everything else that goes on in the football game. Now, I think this is a much easier opener than it would have been against Cal or against Michigan if it would have been a, a normal season that, that kicked off in September. But instead, here we are in November. Washington's going to kick off their first game against Oregon State coming to town. Uh, they're favored by almost two touchdowns. Um, I don't know if, if that's reasonable. Um, we don't know who's going to be quarterback for Washington. We don't know who's going to be running the, the ball for Washington. Uh, we know the defense is going to be pretty damn good. But Oregon State can score points with the best of anybody, with anybody. Jonathan Smith is great at it. So I, I think Washington wins this game. I'm going to call it uh, Washington 31 uh, Oregon State 21, so a 10-point victory. So for me, I have um, all the underdogs either winning outright or covering the spread this week in the six games. Man, if that happens, Ryan, you are making bank this week, my friend. Um, I agree. I think the quarterback question mark is the biggest problem for Washington offensively. They have Kamari Pleasant. 
listed as number one on the depth chart. He had some carries last season. He's pretty shifty, but Sean McGrew, I've also heard, is a really good option. They might be splitting carries. Ethan Garbers, Dylan Morris are both looking at the number one and number two spots on the depth chart. We don't know who right now is awarded that at Washington. One's a redshirt freshman in Dylan Morris. One's a true freshman in Ethan Garbers. What's that going to look like? So I'm with you. I think that there's too many question marks surrounding the offense and um, like you said, moving from coordinator to head coach, there's a lot of stipulations that come with that with Jimmy Lake. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think Washington squeaks it out. I think it's going to be – I think that – I was impressed with Tristan Jebbia last week and Jamar Jefferson. These guys were – in the fourth quarter, I know that they ended up losing, but the defense is what lost them the game. Jebbia had over 332 passing yards. He had a decent quarterback rating. He was only at 6.4 yards per pass completion, but like – uh, it's or it's Oregon State, so they're going to keep it conservative. So they can move the ball, they can score. I think Washington wins thirty to twenty-three. I think they win by a touchdown, um, and they'll continue to grow from there. So let's go over these really quickly. We both have USC over Arizona. So you don't have all the. Oh no! So you have the spread on that game. Okay, you have USC. We both have USC over Arizona. You have Colorado by one at Stanford. I have Stanford by one. You have Washington State pulling off the – or excuse me, you have Washington State plus 10. I have Oregon minus 10. You, ha, you and I both have Cal. You and I – nope, excuse me. You have UCLA, and I have Utah, and we both have Washington against the spread. Those are the Pac-12 games for week two. Ryan, before we get you out of here, you're not only a Pac-12 guy. You have a pretty good knowledge of what's going on nationally. So as the eclectic – college football fans that listen to the Believe in the Pac-12 are, uh, what can you tell them about what to expect outside the Pac-12 slate of games this week? What are you looking at? No Alabama, no Ohio State, no Texas A&M, no Georgia, no Auburn. Yeah, there's a uh, – the, the slate isn't necessarily the best. Uh, there is one game, and it just has a lot of history to it. Uh, Notre Dame, last time they beat the number one team in the country was when Florida State came to South Bend. And they upset Florida State and Charlie Ward and won that football game. The following week, they played a Boston College team that found a way to win and upset them and take them out of the national championship race, and Florida State would go on and win it. Um, that one's going to be interesting for me. They had a chance to do it against Clemson a few weeks ago. That team is playing well. Uh, there's, there's nothing but the opportunity to, to come down from that big win on Saturday night uh, by Notre Dame. I think Brian Kelly will have those guys ready, though. I really do. I think they find a way to win it, so they keep on track. I am as the number one team in the country right now um, to a lot of Clemson and Alabama fans' dismay. Um, other than that, there's just, just not the greatest slate. I think you go look at uh, the Big Ten and what they have available. Indiana has to get past Michigan State to set up the big top ten matchup with Ohio State a week from now. You also have Wisconsin and Michigan, where you thought would probably be the biggest game in the, in the country in terms of Big, big Ten this weekend, but it's not. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's looking for a win. Wisconsin's looking to play. So we're, we're, we're going to see how that one plays out. Northwestern or Purdue? Purdue who would have thought? That would have been a game between two undefeated awesome. teams. So uh, I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are really going to give you something to look at this week. Oklahoma State um, – they get a chance this week to go up against um, – I forget who they were playing, but they have a chance to showcase what they can do after the, the big loss to Texas a couple weeks ago. 
We'll see if they're able to right that ship and, and, and keep the Big 12 in the conversation. We'll see. I'm not sure if that's, uh, that's a possibility. But um, for the most part, I really think it's going to be all about uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 10 this week. I'm interested in watching South Carolina play Ole Miss. I love Lane Kiffin, and I hope Ryan Holinsky gets an opportunity down there uh, for the Gamecocks. Um, so I'll be watching from 9 a.m. till probably, what, midnight on Saturday. Looking forward to it. Excited that the Pac-12 is back in play, and hopefully all six games will be played. I also hope that Ryan Holinsky plays because he and Matt Corral played in high school against each other. Guess where? In Southern California. Gotta love the Southern California starters. DJ Uyunglele from St. John Bosco out there for Clemson last week. Um, great, great games. I love the I love Northwestern, man. I'm so happy that they're due. Now they could easily lose to Purdue. Well, not easily. They could lose to Purdue. So um, I'm not going to jump the gun on Northwestern, but I'm happy that they're doing well. For me, the one game that I'm excited for, because there's just going to be a ton of offense, is Texas Tech-Baylor. There's no implications on this game, um, but it's there's going to be a ton of points, and I'm just excited to sit there and watch a shootout. <laughs> Excuse me. Other than that, um, I think that'll do it. So, Ryan, you mentioned uh, that you are on SiriusX. Um, it sounds like you have some stuff going on the rest of the week. Tell us where we can find you. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening to the podcast tonight, tomorrow, uh, from 10 to 1 uh, Pacific, I'll be with my buddy Jason Horowitz on ESPNU. We're going to talk about all the college football games slated to go, uh, keep you up to speed on whether what games are going to be played and what games will be canceled or postponed. Hopefully none. But we'll have it all unlocked for you tomorrow on ESPNU, Sirius XM Channel 84 from 10 to 1 Pacific. You know, I will be there listening to you and Jason, always doing a great job on Sirius XM. Well, that'll wrap it up for us here on Believe in the Pac-12. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Six games, hopefully, to be played this Saturday across the Pac-12 conference. Uh, if they can get through it, that would be a really good sign that the conference is trending in the right direction. We'll be back on Monday night or Tuesday morning, depending on when that podcast is published, for more or recap week two of the Pac-12 season and then next Thursday we'll be back for the second episode of the week when we preview week three for Ryan Weep. My name is Jonathan Rifkin. Thank you so much for listening. No matter how you're listening or where you're listening, all of us here at Believe appreciate you making this a part of your listening podcasting plans. Have a great weekend. Enjoy football. We'll talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 